I'm recording locally. Let me start the call Damn. recorder too. Trashy uh, just speed run. Actually, the call recorder is the call recorder isn't open yet. So give me one second. All right, uh, <laughs> it's running. It's running. All right, Alice, mm. ready? Three, two, one, Mark. Mm. Hello and welcome to this episode. <laughs> Fuck me. Fuck I'm, gonna call open? I'm gonna start it again. Okay. Hello and welcome to this week's Free Trash Future. It's me, Riley. I'm in studio with Hussein, who has to get off his phone. Uh, I'm never going to get off my phone, but um, hi, I'm back. Yeah. I'm here. Shut up. Shut up, Riley. I'm texting. Shut up, Mom. I'm editing back pics of my feet. I mean, if, if, if Nate is podcast dad, then Riley is podcast mom, right? <laughs> mm. I can't pause no. it. It's online. No. <laughs> Riley Riley is podcast stepmom. Like, <laughs> I was podcast. doing his best, but never listened to. You're not my real mom. Shut up. I also like somehow like noodle all the time you no, never pod, teaches me how to fuck pod, podcast older stepbrother for real like just, no no no, no. Come on. Uh, and i'm also cool older stepbrother but also older stepbrother who's a cuss stepmom and stepdad <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say stop touching my warhammer figurines but that was a better joke milo uh, also with uh, milo Hello, it's me, your your podcast step uncle. No, you're you're the you're the podcast um like dirty friend who's always coming by. Mm, like, Damn, coming by what? <laughs> Fuck off. A podcast Austrian step uncle. <laughs> okay, oh, children, play anywhere you like, but not in the basement. I, I, can, can I please can I please audition um like four new co-hosts? No, no one would do this. <laughs> uh, and also, we have Nate on the boards in studio. Hey, so a weird, weird story. Back in August, I fell off my bike and got a concussion. My brain hasn't been completely normal ever since, although it's mostly recovered. And today, I was like really running behind, but I was like, eh, fuck it, whatever. And I'll get some work done. I'll lounge in. However, I got on my bike. I come in, not looking at anything, not caring about anything. I show up like three minutes before this episode recording was supposed to start. And I was like, oh, do we have an episode today? And the look on Riley's face was like, you motherfucker. I made notes, you piece of shit. So that's the kind of day I'm having. I slaved over a hot MacBook. He's gonna, he's gonna get. He's gonna get. Smells like cum. I can't get the smell out. Mm. He's, he's gonna get new co-hosts, and they're all gonna like sound like Laura Koonsberg. Nathan, why yeah. am I not surprised? You piece of shit. Yes, I, it's I going to be Laura Koonsberg's gonna be our new dad. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be. She's just, you're, you're all everything you do is gonna have to conform to her definition of shit posting, which is just making the worst mm. cringe content. Mm. Yeah. We're all we're uh, all posting cringe. Oh, and, did we all see the fucking the Brexit cast video today? Uh, and more. also we have Alice, but let's introduce the Brexit oh, yes. cast yes, video. The, the podcast daughter, I think. Mm. It's like the the one the one success daughter in a family of fail sons. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as the expression goes, you know, all parents have they have a you know, there's certain habits and their emotional support eldest daughter. Mm. And that's what, uh, that's what Alice is <laughs> yes. to our podcast. That, no, that is what Alice is to me. <laughs> anyway, you're listening to the Little Women podcast. Yes. Uh, no, we're and also, Milo, it's not called the Brexit cast anymore. It's just called the Newscast. Oh, we've gone back the to the news. The goddamn news, yeah. The endless onslaught of the news. It's so funny to me that they're renaming it Newscast when Brexit is still going on. Okay, no, hang on. Let me start again. It's extremely funny that they called it Brexit cast in the first place, which is like the dumbest name. Like, all of the Brexit, all the time. Are you wondering what's going on with Brexit? We sure are. And then just changing it like, oh, we're bored now. So that's news. Yeah. But yeah. Brexit's still happening, but we're just calling it news now. Yes, it's oh, it's just the normal news. It's been, um, it's been accepted into the community of news. Oh, that, mm. the that video, video of it went around. Was all like their fun little thing. inside jokes. Of just yeah. being like, oh, uh, oh yes, we're talking I, to a linguist in Brussels. She's laughing in three languages. When I, when I like, listened to uh, it, I was kind of like, it works really well if it was like a satire against Brexit cast, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, it would have worked really well if this was just him insulting, like, mm. all the kind of 
in jokes and all the kind of just like the bizarre things because even i've never mm. listened to an episode of brexit cast before but like listening to that it was kind of like oh this was really as like insufferable as people said it was mm-hmm. but then mm-hmm. i found out that no actually like this is a live show yeah. and this is more like a farewell to the good times and and it's all the like and all the like fucking people in the audience guffawing yeah all the most like lib dem looking motherfuckers and i'm like seriously this is like this is your level you're sitting here being like this is the best thing i've ever yeah, seen I lo- to this I guy just to saying gibberish relationship with katja adler look I gotta, oh. I gotta be honest with you, right? So uh, you 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 would think from the reactions they get that Andy Borowitz's stories in New Yorker oh, are universally fucking reviled, but actually they're their most popular stories because there's that many dumb, smug, liberal dads in America that like people read that shit. So I guess oh, it, it bears mention that this stuff is way more like we're the outliers, we're yeah. the exception, we're the aberrations here. Yes, and well, so what are, we, what are we doing? We have to give four, up, shut the podcast down. And so, mm. for the rest of us, I present to you all the name of the startup, Genies. Oh, no. I don't want to do this anymore. I want to go and be Andy Borowitz's intern. Uh, I'm a genie in a soft bank. Gotta rub me the right way. It's worth over $100 million. <laughs> okay, well, this that tells us nothing. It, it, it 3D prints <laughs> denim. So what you're basically saying is it hasn't lost enough money yet to be (laughs) valued. As always, jeans for children. As always, I'm (laughs) going to say. No one's ever thought of this before. (laughs) As always, I'm going to say it's it's something phrenology based. Yeah. Mm. Um, Who says closest? Oh, and their their tagline would of course be made by children for children. (laughs) Wait, 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 wait. wait. Is a genie spelled like jeans, like blue jeans, or jeans like genetic material? As in, rub the lamp. Mm. Oh, like uh, genies as in rub the lamp. Okay. However, Mm. I'm going to give you the first clue. The next human race. Uh, it's oh, phrenology. No. It's phrenology. Yo, what's up? Oh, God. It's eugenics? Yeah. Wait, is it like a thing where Movie it matches pop. your DNA to another person for, like, dating? To have, like, it's the, it's, the, it's the way most powerful more, children? Think more <laughs> frivolous. Uh, really it's, it's the genes children. thing. It's it a print. wine, oh, like a like a wine <laughs> service, but it matches based on your genetics. Yeah, for some reason, okay, it that would be good. <laughs> of course you'd say according, that. According to your, ge- your genome, the microclimate you'll enjoy the most is. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I like Riesling, okay? And there are ex- I'm not going to do this right now. But it's right hilarious, now. though, because it's like, Riley, like, your family has lived in Canada for probably, well, like, a hundred years. The idea that you're genetically adapted to the Niagara Escarpment <laughs> is such an absurd concept. <laughs> like, if anything, you should be drinking some kind of potato slurry that's fucking been fermented by accident. Yeah. Um, my, I, just, uh, I just love the idea of Riley just drinking a delicious German glass of Borussia <laughs> Mönchengladbach. <laughs> sorry. Mm. Uh, what wine has changed? Genetically, genetically coded bottles. Canadian wine is is so good because I'm, it got all of the recessive genes. No, I'm, like I'm doing. Shut up! I'm doing. I'm doing Foxhound, which is Solid Snake saying wine has mm. changed. ID tag bottles to ge- genetically controlled soldiers. Okay, so if I don't drink a crisp bottle of Chardonnay to pop in the next fifteen minutes. Okay, number one, Chardonnay to pop would, would not be crisp. It does not have that acidity profile. So Fuck remember, you. When, remember two minutes ago when we were making fun of Brexit cars for being too dense and inaccessible. <laughs> and smug. Now, 
I'm going to again just condemn my co-host for not engaging with the content of Hideo Kojima enough. Mm. I will say that Genies is the world's first avatar agency. I haven't blanked out any of the words there because I know you won't know what that means. No, oh, it, uh, it, it designs your fucking second life. Uh, Does it make you like a Bitmoji mm. character? Yes, Nate's you- got it. You guys, oh, no, I was oh, hoping you get to be a nine-foot-till blue thing on a different planet. Remember it's all it, directed it, it by James Cameron. Your fursona. Yeah, no, mm. uh, Nate got it. Remember when I said it's worth a hundred million dollars for Bitmoji avatars? Oh, it's not just Bitmoji; it's more it's detailed so Bitmoji more. avatars. Why does it like take your actual genetic profile? No, no, no. It's just it's more. It's a little more cartoonish. Do they three D scan your head? No. No, none of that. Uh, just, it's, we, the, the character upload thing from FIFA 2004 is now worth like a hundred million dollars. Uh, yeah, oh, more yeah. or less. But does, it's, does, it's, it, does it at least have jerk it out on the soundtrack? It's, anyway, it's, it's not. It's not even that. It's just Bitmoji, but with more like Zoomer branding, so like more Gucci bum bags, and then. Uh. Some like more facial features and bigger heads. So you're so saying it's like girlfriend's Zoom. It's like the phrenology menu from Mountain Blade, but quite a bit. Yes. <laughs> oh God. So, uh, but they are not just a bit. They're not just a, some kind of competitor Bitmoji. They're an avatar agency. What do we think that means? Do you have to get signed? Yes. <laughs> like, and then they no, take ten percent of your avatar yes. revenue. Milo. You're kidding. Yes. That's in- correct. Is it, is oh, it, no. It's an influencer agency. Or yes. are they like? Do they kind it's of? An, it's treat- an influencer I... agency, but they signed the influencers' avatars. Oh fuck! That's going to be virtual Love Island. Yes. Oh, I hate no. This. Yes. No. I hate this. No. I mean, wasn't that what Avatar was anyway? <laughs> virtual Love Island. Avatar. I was thinking, yeah. I love the idea of paying, so like having to get signed, having to compete for the privilege of being signed to get an avatar, so that you can post cry laughing emoji under any political post ever, and f- mm. people just be like, yeah, this is somehow elite tier because I've got a really good bitmoji. Well, so what, like, so spending money on the Jeremy Renner app. So who yeah. they are signing is they're signing like Sean Mendez and Kylie Jenner and famous people, and then Friends they of the show. license. They basically they'll make an avatar that looks like them, and then verify the avatar. You know something funny. You know there was I can't remember the name, and I've never actually watched the show, but I've 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 heard about it that like one of the top earners on YouTube is a little kid who reviews toys, mm-hmm. but obviously like making a little kid make review movie videos like is a lot of work and youtube has rules and then also just like there's a certain like, amount of how much work can an eight-year-old kid do so what they've done is they've basically created like a 3d rendered version of him and like hire voice actors that sound like him oh, so now they've no. built the brand that the kid doesn't even have to be involved anymore what? and it's weird it's what? insane to me i'm, I'm dead serious <laughs> yeah dead serious and it's, when it's... i find out that this applies to all youtubers and ian from forgotten weapons is just like an algorithm <laughs> the primitive, the primitive technology guy. It's just yeah, a yeah, hologram. The primitive technology guy actually always yeah. wears a suit and goes around by helicopter everywhere. Uh, Uncle Punjabi yeah. isn't able to make his videos anymore because they fall yeah. foul of YouTube's <laughs> child labor laws. I'm going to Steve mm. MRE info is so here's. Like- Here's a quote. Here's a quote. As the first agency to represent talent through digital avatars, we provide access to content and brands that allow you to earn (laughs) revenue without needing to be physically present for your content production. So that's basically what I was describing. That's exactly it. It's an agency for that. Didn't they do this like 10, 15 years ago with Second Life already? Yes, but this is worth $100 million. Oh, okay. Uh, 
It's weird but, to me. But, it's like but, crucially, if I, had just, if I had just been good enough at school to get into Stanford, then I could have like made my eighth grade dream real, which is be like, what if people paid me to design rude versions of them on the WWF Royal Rumble fucking character creator? <laughs> so, uh, Alice, one thing. Hang on, question. Yes. If you die in the Avatar, do you die in real life? Uh, Does your brain make it real? No, it's just like getting kicked in the balls. Uh, oh. So, Alice, one th- to comment on something you've said, it's not like Second Life. It's mm. an avatar that's just for like iMessage or WhatsApp. Oh, oh, okay, that's much worse. So, it, it, so it, it's like Second Life, but it's much less functional. Yes, correct. It's like, what if Second Life had no functionality okay. uh, and just was allowed you to sort of punctuate chats? So, they, uh, it goes on. Whether your top priority is on the court, in the studio, or on tour, or in the discotheca. Uh, I was <laughs> yeah. glad you said it. Yeah. I was going to. <laughs> your genie can represent your identity when you can't. And I mean... <laughs> and so, it's a version of being alive in digital... It's a version of Bitmoji where celebrities have verified status and also you can put on Gucci. So, uh, mm. the 24-year-old C- CEO, Akash Nigam, that, that, said... That's a fantastic phrase, the 24-year-old CEO. It, no, he's 26 now. He's, more, he's matured. Mm. Um, this is from an article like two years ago. Riesling. If, God forbid, Donald, they do age well. If, do, if God forbid... Borussia Mönchengladbach. I'm trying to change the lyrics from David Bowie's Teenage Wildlife from as ugly as a teenage millionaire to as ugly as a 26-year-old CEO, but it doesn't quite scan. If, God forbid, Donald Trump bombs North Korea, you'll see your genie riding a nuke to North Korea. Oh, cool. What? Okay. I I feel... This is Ballardian. Like... (laughs) Hang on, no. If this is for young people, why the fuck would it be referencing because, Doctor Strange Love, a film which famously young people have seen? Because the one of the thing, the first iteration of um uh, of genies was that they would act out news stories as you. Oh, then like the like the Taiwanese uh, news. Oh app. yeah. Yes, you know, well, there was an app. It was like a, like a Taiwanese, or I think it was a Hong Kong app that uh, basically you scanned pictures of yourself and it made an avatar version that would like dance and do videos and things like that but they could just turn that into a thing that acts out the news or whatever yes. i'm very excited to see um fucking uh fireman sam beating the shell of the police dog from paw patrol <laughs> i just remember i used that app one time and i said i set the video that it made and it was this horrible song to my friend who speaks cantonese and she's like it's a, a weird version of you but the song you're singing is like i'm a beggar i'm a beggar i live on the street <laughs> and now you can do yeah. that so, oh, new Taiwanese so, rapper. so uh so back to this it says this is Genie's plan to be the next BuzzFeed. Your Genie is the star of the show, and the script is whatever happens in the world that day. So that was their oh. first iteration as Genie's, was to basically make a hyper-realistic and, Bitmoji avatar that example, acts out the news. The example that they went with was nuking North Korea. However... Mm, a thing that happened. However, now... Mm. Now, it's an, they pivoted, and oh. it's an avatar marketing agency. I so, guess I just think about this that like this makes sense as like a really small startup like somebody's Patreon like you know some people do sexy fursonas on Patreon people could just do mm. avatars well, for you but the idea that it's valued that much is yeah. really fucking with my brain. Well, here's what I've been thinking because Milo made a joke about um like someone about uh, a joke about Fritzel. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that guy who comes <laughs> up weirdly constantly. Well, yeah. What what this reminds me of is like so there's a game called VR Chat. It's not really a game, but it's like it's on Steam and like you can you enter these chat rooms and like you can kind of be a different character. So you can be anyone from like a jacked, like goofy to it's like the really mm. the most bizarre kind of virtual reality. The horniest player wins. Right. And like you can act out yourself, but you can be in this 
being this sort of like avatar, it's like Club right? Penguin. It's all fun until someone gets banned for saying the N word. The thing in <laughs> except the thing in like Steam is that like most of the people like in these kind of rooms like communities like build them and they create them and they set the boundaries and everything. So this is like a shitter version of that where you don't even get the virtual reality component of mm. like because when I think about well why would you want to be in an avatar like I guess mm. like the only real reason is so that you can like fuck. That's like the only Damn. thing that makes sense to me. Well, the really one thing, um, to fuck hentai, the Jeremy Renner. The thing is, right? But like, <laughs> I, yeah, actually, like, I feel like that's like a reason why loads of people mm. really like these that, VR That's games. why people were yeah. buying the stars on the Jeremy Renner app was you could get to like <laughs> fuck an ultimate Jeremy Renner. It's just like a very restricted version of that. Stars so, Bangled Renner, to, the official theme. To tune. be clear, this this company is like these avatars, like Bitmoji and so on, are popular among like Boomers. Zoomers, like. Mm. Are they? Are they yeah. actually, or do they just say it, they are? No, the it's only one person who no, sends me bit It's, one of, my, it's truly my the alien in a pod of the it's modern era. It's one of the most popular da- apps to download on the store. Was the Snapchat owned Bitmoji? Like it is very widely downloaded and very popular among Zoomers. This is unarguable. Mm. However, the fact is that this the valuation of this company is connected to the fact that it is slightly shinier. It's got and it's got some hype because they've they've they're 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 killer. Their killer of Bitmoji is mm. we're going to have celebrities on it who can get verified and we'll partner with Gucci. Yeah. Uh, so for millennials listening at home, it's like Charizard. So Akash Nigam's parents gave him an ultimatum. This is from his Forbes 30 under 30 profile. Raise three million dollars for your startup or stay in college. He chose to drop out and raise the money. <laughs> what a choice. His first mm. ve- well, we'll we'll come to why that choice was later. His first venture, alongside co-founder Evan Rosenbaum and a third co-founder, was a, an app called Blend, a group messaging channel that raised two point seven million and was hailed as the next big thing, but then failed to gain any traction and died. Can we can we can we pause for a second, right? Because this is a this is a trope that really annoys me: is the like twenty four year old millionaire being like, "Yeah, I just dropped out of college to start a business because I realized when I was at college that college was gay." And it's like <laughs> this is like it's so dumb. It's like you know what? Maybe if you'd have stayed in fucking college, you wouldn't have started a business that was this fuck. Fucking stupid. However, he is making an enormous amount of money. I know, but it's so stupid. He's only well, making an enormous amount of money because of fucking Saudi Arabia is run by <laughs> insane fail sons with too much money. <laughs> hey, he's making a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> He should he, he should have stuck at it and then like become unemployable and got a podcast like real people. So it's the honorable path, Alice. Yes. So he's he we continues. are all posting samurai. Mm. Uh, Akash Nigam says the next wave of communication through avatars where people feel comfortable expressing themselves is on its way. Celebrity investors like Offset from Migos have even used their genie to stand in for at in for them for brand sponsorships. So the avatar poses for photos instead mm. of them. Suddenly now, <laughs> I brand- didn't stay at Jeffrey Epstein's house. That was my avatar. <laughs> There was a convenient place to load up my avatar. <laughs> a very convenient place to send my so, avatar. Some t- suddenly, brands like the scooter company Bird were calling were calling Negam to l- try to, p- to pay to get the Genie's celebrity network to post videos of their digital avatars riding birds on the day of the new scooter launch. Or Gucci partners with Genies uh, to let people this, ride their avatar. I mean, their avatars it's, it's Gucci sort, branded products. It sort of makes sense that if you're an artist or a celebrity or something, that this is an opportunity to basically license things without having to deal with the frustration of stupid endorsement shit like where you have to go through the shoots and all the other crap they make you do so i mean i get why that would be popular but Mm. i don't know like it it just seems the idea of it being this much big business is weird and frightening 
Well, mm. also people can just deep fake you into an ad, right? Like, I mean, as soon as as soon as your commercial property becomes just like a cartoon approximation of you, like yeah. people can just pirate yeah, you into we're, their fucking we're gonna be Chinese Robert dick De Niro. ad. Yeah, we're going to be seeing Robert De Niro and Al Pacino in every movie for the next three hundred years because like their genome has been sequenced well, now. What this is mm. is like it's a repackaged version of a very old way of making a lot of money, right? Which is like licensing. Mm. Like so much of like the Trump Empire is built on licensing. When it comes to like buildings and when it comes to like mm. tacit endorsements, um, you know, yeah. like the uh, the His ass is insured for a million dollars. Like, like the, the ACN teleconference phone, right, was like mm-hmm. such a big part of like the Trump like fortune. And, you know, a Wait, lot is of that, that Trump's Amstrad emailer. <laughs> I didn't even know about this. <laughs> a lot, there's like loads of videos of it. Um, but a lot of it was just like license. A lot of it was like, well, just license for Trump name. And like, you know, that's where kind of like the branding endorsement comes in. Mm. This is just like an updated version of licensing. And for celebrities, it's great because again, like as Nate has said, like you don't have to be there, and like lots of celebrities just don't like doing any of like the fucking press anyway. So this is like a great way of like standing in. Mm. But it's also I don't know. It's like it's a I guess for them like they're just trying to kind of build a, like they're trying to kind of like own rights to people, mm. right? And it's kind of just this very stupid way of mm. copy like copywriting. The Trump telephone can handle over 500 lines, which means that you can speak to almost every branch of McDonald's in the US simultaneously <laughs> yeah. and find out the, once and for all where is, the though. hamburger the, is. <laughs> <laughs> the, the terrible sci-fi movie that this has become is we are now living in Simone with Al Pacino before Al Pacino was himself turned into a digitized actor. It's great. Mm. Nobody well, saw that movie but me. But What we... Mm. What we are, what we are living in, is uh, you know, it's it it seems it's it's just it's if he it seems too like Baudrillard to like to to it it seems too on the nose as a Baudrillard I, I, comparison. Yeah, I love to send my simulacrum somewhere. Yeah, and it's it's mm. the it's this this thing where again we we where capital it works through abstraction. You know, it, it it works purely as the inducement to consume or make or make something, and the less you can have that. That at least for advertising, uh, for capital, advertising works in abstraction as the inducement to consume something or the inducement to do something. And the more abstract it can be, the more efficient mm. it can be, the better. So this is just essentially, as Hussein said, making celebrity endorsements slightly more efficient and um, slightly and it, less authentic. Deaths yeah. of mm. the real, baby. Yeah, we yeah. are. We are taking a blowtorch to the concept of the real. Uh, ontology. Yes, yes. But also think <laughs> about that, though. I mean, like, if your if your if your goal is to make lots of toy review videos with a small child, if if there's no difference between the small child reviewing the toy video or doing the toy videos himself and a 3D rendered version or an animated version of him doing it, then you can make 20 reviews and get all the YouTube monetization mm-hmm. off that. When normally oh. you have the, the the normal human physical yeah. constraints do, of making a kid remember? work. Do you remember Xbox's thing that they trialed, where they had a virtual child who would talk to you, named Milo, actually? Uh, oh, and like, listen, they- it wasn't a proud point in my career. <laughs> <laughs> but it worked. It worked about as well as you would think because, like, it just gave off such intensely nonce vibes that I think they just canned the whole thing <laughs> <laughs> just because it was too. It was too weird to just have grown people just talking to like this weird fake child. I've got to look this up now. Oh, sorry. I mean, it's, intensely it's nonce vibes. Real. History of the British Parliament from 1600 <laughs> to the present day. It's, so it's, it was called Milo. It's real. You should look it up. It looks really uncanny now. It kind of did then too. So, but like, I think to to bring this to bring this all together, you know, we 
we we are we are living through the death of the real. Uh, everything is an abstraction. I do even- remember this. No, sorry, Nate, she's yeah. got it up on the screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah, but- I do. Because uh, now, right, this is the whole thing when I lived in Russia, people would always be like, oh, your name is Milo. Were you named after the dog from the mask? And I was like, always like, obviously not. Whereas what I should have been like was like, no, I was named after the fucking nonce cartoon from Xbox. That's so Russian to be like, oh, you must have been named after this gigantic media oh property. Oh, my God. Which was mm. so weird. It looks like you. It does look it like looks it looks remarkably it. like you. It doesn't. I don't think it looks like Milo. I think it looks yeah, like it's got the same pointy chin. Go on the one we, where we he's have angry. to bully Milo into making the Xbox Milo his Twitter avatar. It looks like if yeah. Riley and Milo had a kid. He's wearing. <laughs> he's wearing an extremely American T-shirt. It's the kind of T-shirt you would only ever see an American child yeah, wear. He's dressed like he's American like house. Jay Soprano. What's the picture where yeah. he's like really angry. Where is it? Where Second is it? One up. Go he's up, in front up, of an American house, but it looks like it's in the Kyoto that? countryside. Okay. He's that's like older version. Okay. Mm. We are now we are now compl- finished talking about Project Milo. <laughs> I'm sorry to like totally derail. <laughs> <laughs> we are now it's him being consumed by tentacles. <laughs> the, pro- the Project Milo discussion is now coming to an end. Please. <laughs> oh, I don't think you can decide that, Riley. Oh God. No, the project. The, the project. The Project Milo discussion okay, comes fine, to an end fine, now. Please, fine, thank you. Fine. Um. Yes, I, I. You're not even my real mom. <laughs> so, to bring this all together, two points. Number one, uh, nothing is real. Everything is Project Milo now. Yes. Uh, Project Milo mm. is here to tell you to, I don't know, buy Gucci. Um, buy and Gucci. Also, Akash Nigam grew up in Silicon Valley with entrepreneurship in his blood. His father, Pavad Nigam, was the co-founder of medical website WebMD. Oh, amazing! So oh, he's, that's why. he's the heir to the hypochondria fortune. <laughs> yeah. So now so, a fake Kylie Jenner can in- endorse the fake colon cancer that you've convinced yourself you have <laughs> at three AM, having smoked fourteen yeah, jewel pods. H- how did how did this this guy's dad make that much money off of a website that just tells me I'm going to die because my stomach hurts after I ate like mm. six things of candy? Uh, anyway, mm. this uh, this is entirely unsurprising to me that, of course, that's why this is the guy who's doing this business that, in all honesty, probably will be successful because it's doing something that, unfortunately, capital wants. Uh, it's just extraordinarily stupid. Uh, and I also, this um, startup was brought to my attention by listener Opinion Haver, that's O-P-P-I-N-I-O-N, <laughs> Haver, spelled the normal way, 69. Uh, so, Opinion Haver 69, thank you very much for bringing that to my attention. If you do find, if you do find startups like this, by the way, feel free to share them with me. I love the idea that we'll have even better content curated by our fans. We'll just do shout outs for them. It's like, wow, that was a really deep article on the topic of the death of the real in modern advertising. Thank you, Bukaki Bukharan. We really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, uh, Trills and OVF sent us a great article. Thank you. Uh, mm. So well, I'm, I'm, we're moving on now to uh, Sadiq Khan. Uh, Sadiq Khan was interviewed in City AM uh, recently. I'm go back to Project Milo. That's a lot more fun. <laughs> uh, Project Sadiq. And- <laughs> oh, Lord. The man who say the whatever you want. What if the mayor of London want? was a 3D rendered boy that you could tell to do things? He would have about as much authority as the actual one mayor. Mean, well, that's a good episode title. <laughs> Yeah, that, that, that should Sadiq. be Labour's next candidate after Sadiq moves on from me- the mayoralty. Is just we're getting Project Milo back, and yeah. you can just vote for this boy who you can we're tell inst- to do things. <laughs> we're installing an animated swing in the fucking London Assembly. <laughs> so, so basically, Sadiq Khan was interviewed today uh, by City on City AM about uh, his what he's how he's going to be running for mayor, how he plans to govern, and so on. 
Uh, and he was quoted as saying, when you see a big employer like Amazon paying a minuscule amount of tax in the UK, the government should close the loopholes and they should pay their fair share of tax in relation to revenues raised in this country. Now, like most things I say that start out sounding something reasonable, it would mm. be great if the interview ended there. Oh, oh no, he's following the spectator formula. He's following he's the Stephen A. Smith thing. formula. He wants to address yes. this issue. Yes. Mm. But, but... Uh, I think we've got to realize that we're a global city, we work in a global economy, so to unilaterally impose taxes in one country could have unintended consequences making them move elsewhere. Uh, no, we should just apply all of the taxes globally then, because if they're global companies, we should just have one global tax. Mm. Mm, the globe tax for using yeah. the globe. You, the yeah, you can't, you can't like, tax anywhere. Like, <laughs> if so, you don't believe in Australia, you don't have to pay so the globe tax. He is saying uh, this in the context of planning on asking Sajid Javid to not impose a unilateral tax on tech giants operating in the UK. What the <sighs> fuck is this? What the fuck kind of cuck shit is this? The fucking Labour mayor of London, like basically one of the few fucking positions the Labour Party still holds, telling the Tories to be more Tory. Mm -hmm. Oh, you've been considering imposing a tax on big business. I, the Labour mayor of London, suggest that you might be being not friendly enough to business. You, Sajid Javid, former the guy who did the fucking economic crisis. I'd like you are now being too left wing for my Sadiq Khan, the Labour mayor of London's liking. Yes, this is a very normal news story, which I'm enjoying a great deal. You know who? Uh, you know how correct. bad you have to be to make me miss insane Ken Livingston, the man who most uh. recently got famous for getting his foot stuck in a tube door because, <laughs> because yeah. he like expected it to yield to him like he what was being fucking canute of trains. Ken Livingston is like, what if the guy from Up was like really dark? Yeah, <laughs> Ken Livingston, whenever there's like a bad news story that the stories want to bury, they're just like, get an interview with Ken Livingston. Mm. We know he'll do something anti-Semitic. Oh, he always God. does. <laughs> Say the line, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> he um, sucks so much. And, and yet, how were his policies better than this? Yeah, he sucked really bad, but he also made them build the overground like what the fuck so um mm. khan admits that when he first walked into city hall he quote didn't fully understand the contribution made by business to all walks of life did he say this with like uh. a laser sight just like <laughs> dancing on his forehead <laughs> is he being written by matt hancock Kind of. Can't the, say that about business. This, this is an audio platform, so you can't see it, but I'm stretching my arms as wide as I can to simulate like I'm hugging the biggest tree in the world, like the fucking gigantic redwood. Mm. And now I'm jacking it off because that's the fucking motion. This makes me want to perform when I hear this <laughs> idiot say this shit. Like mm. British business tax and the loopholes it allows means that like Amazon pays like 600,000 pounds a year in taxes on like tens of billions of pounds of revenue in the UK alone. Yes. Like, it's absurd. Yes, and, and, I mean, and, and what British business, like, as he correctly identified mere paragraphs ago, a lot of these are just global businesses that have no British component other than occasionally employing people here and not paying tax. All of the, like, distinctly British businesses is just Jim Twat in Oxfordshire who runs a shed hmm. making gollywogs. And, and Mike <laughs> and Mike Ashley, who, like, was... Do you remember? I fucking loved Mike Ashley that time he went when there was that scandal over him, like, not paying his workers enough to, like, afford bread. And he, like, went to one of his factories or where how's the saints go around there and be like no no it's all all right don't worry i mean it's just sort it out and they and they have like a metal detector at the entrance and he had to empty his pockets and he just started pulling wads of 50 pound notes out of his pockets <laughs> and it's like 
Mike, mate, come on, head in the fucking game. Oh, at no. no point. Hire a PR person, even a stupid one. <laughs> like, Pro- honestly. Project Mike Ashley has been a widely <laughs> reviled decision. I just, I just remember when we had to buy the travel case for the big mixer, we couldn't find one made for it on Amazon or on any of the other like websites there they you could get one from Yamaha themselves but it was like an absurd amount of money and you basically couldn't get it in Britain and it was so also I, a moped for some reason I would have had to have ordered it like to an address in the US and had them forward it and I'm sure I would have gotten hit with fucking you know importation tax but we found a business in like Scotland that made travel cases like soft travel cases and they made it for us and it was like super really great service and I was just like damn it's weird to deal with an actual British mm. business that a that's good at their job but b that like is in Britain that just does stuff in Britain because invariably whenever you buy it's just like it's some weird international conglomerate or it's like mm. yeah it's like crazy Ahab's yeah. fucking you know tinkering well, shop like, anyway long I, story I short we deep fried our mixer <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember whether I've we talked about this on a previous episode of this or well there's your problem I'm getting podcast blurring but the one company that still makes leaded gasoline is in fucking like it was this it was, it was, it was this. yeah 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 it's in Hampshire yeah, yeah. we looked it up for an episode so, yeah but anyway, going back to this, uh, we say that he um, he he is essentially saying that he he sees his role as the labor leader of London to be the to be the mayor for capital because he's seen the the Tories step out or at least step into a different kind of role. He's the mayor of cosmopolitanized capital, whereas the Tories seem to be what the um the government of financial uh, financialized a. Uh, 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 a financialized, directly extractive, like warehouse owner. And the Belgians at Paintball Capital, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's it's so what we what we have here is we have a we have a, a a labor a labor mayor of London who seems to be promising to what who is who is his many for whom he is governing mm. governing the many shareholders of Facebook. Pretty much, yeah. And also, I would say too that he was never particularly interested in supporting the labor left. And everything he's done since the election, to include doing another interview where he said uh, that Labour didn't deserve to win, doesn't make me feel as though he's worth going door knocking and putting up with talking to actual fucking British people, mm. like mm. knocking on their doors yeah. at random. You but, know, like uh, I, th- I feel like one of the things that I like about Rebecca Long Bailey, and it's like I have mixed feelings, and I know we're kind of dumb for even talking about this, is. Uh, a commitment to like open reselection because it's impossibly difficult to get someone out of a position mm. of power in the Labour Party, whatever bullshit they come up with. Absolutely anything, whether it's this, whether it's Joanne Lamont being like, oh, trans people are a kind of orc who are made in the, the birthing pits and then have to kill a man. <laughs> Project trans. I feel like Riley hits it on the head though when it comes to like Sadiq Khan because this is very like, this isn't just a case of like, a London mayor who's become very close to business in a way that's like inevitable when you like sort of when you uh when you're like a mayor of a big city like we've seen that with like Bill de Blasio right and I'm sure like you know more he's become very close to pretending to be Italian I mean I all I all I remember of Bill de Blasio is that when he was first like elected or, or like in the run-up they were kind of like oh he's like this very progressive kind of very leftist guy yeah, he talked and, about his son, Dante, and like him being yeah. black and like the the risks associated with uh, yeah. police violence towards him. And then like the NYPD owned right. him. Right. And then like, when I was like in New York like last year, 
like all that was kind of really being said was that like he's just like a jackass who just also just i mean something i point out about new york city though that i think is bears mention is that similarly to what uh, what you were describing what milo was describing about how hard it is to dislodge people bill de blasio won re-election to mayor with something like 25 percent or, or less turnout for the entire city and of course there's a split vote between like eight different candidates uh and it, it, we have a similar problem that basically or I, when i lived there uh Candidates run unopposed. There's a closed primary. It's super restrictive. They make voting really hard. And it's one of these situations where people assume because it's this big cosmopolitan city that things are, are A, competent and B, transparent. And they're not at all. Like it's the worst kind of machine politics. It's just, it's interesting to me because, and I, we, we may not need to go into the, the, the full details on this, but uh, the London mayor office is a relatively new creation. Yeah, Ken Livingston was the first London, London mayor, mayor because they basically, under Thatcher, the Greater London Council became really left-wing and activist. And so they basically, they just cut out all of its power. And so it, what Sadiq Khan can do as mayor of London is relatively limited because really when you get down to it... Yeah, more like Sadiq Khan, yeah, am I right? Uh, <laughs> TFL, it's largely TFL yeah, and policing. But, but the, yeah, because everything the, else is the, bur- the, the, the boroughs and their councils, yeah. yeah. But the flip side of that is that because it was Ken Livingston's baby, it's like designed as this kind of siege fortress against whatever dumb shit Ken Livingston said recently. And so <laughs> it, that, that, still, that still holds good. There's still a Why giant Why does this baby keep there? talking about the state of Israel? <laughs> <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I, I think the point I was trying to make was that, like, I think especially now that like the Brexit lines are kind of fully established, like Sadiq Khan's like play is going to be that I want to reach out to like this imagined kind of cosmopolitan mm. like group of Londoners who are much more aligned to like the Liz Truss view oh, of the world. Did you see um, the um, the TFL things that went up on all of the like uh, train clocks and everything that's like, London is always open. It's sandwiched in between. Uh, if you see anyone suspicious, call the yeah. police to shoot them. Yeah. If you see anybody begging, make sure you tell us so we can call the cops. Also, yeah. don't give the money. Give it to uh, Whitechapel, the Whitechapel Mission. Yeah. 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 Which, I mean, I'm sure the Whitechapel Mission does good work, but come on, man. Like, well, what the it's, fuck? Honestly, also, mm-hmm. like, uh, on, on that topic, yeah, it's like, yes, Lond- like Sadiq Khan is saying, yes, London is open in a very particular way. <clears throat> mm-hmm. To very like to either upper middle class like middle class or upper middle class people who are going to still come here from all four corners of the world to like work in banking. Yeah, and then yeah. it's also consume our expensive coffee. Yeah, it's it's open to the affluent and the very rich, basically. I mean, mm-hmm. like that, that, that is the extent of his cosmopolitanism, as it is shown by this particular quote. Such a fucking pay to win MMO. <laughs> well, I mean, I I live in Southwark Council, right? And I mean. It's a labor council. Neil Kinnock voice. A labor council! <laughs> and they're fucking demolishing council housing left and right to build, let luxury yeah. developers build shit. Herringay. Same thing. Yeah, yeah, and just do a fucking mm. 20% poor doors kind yeah. of thing. And it's like, I every time I go running in Burgess Park, I see these massive, massive fucking estates built in the 60s that like probably aren't that well built, but could at least be refurbished or at least just held on to given the housing crisis in the city. And they're fucking, they're all, there's no lights on because they're all fucking being demolished. Those, uh, those houses actually tend to be very well built. And they're being replaced mm. with stuff that will personally enrich Jeff Fairburn because he yeah. cuts corners. I will say some of it is well built and some of it is no, it's very a lot of it is well built. built. A lot of it's poorly maintained. True, yeah. But also, if I remember correctly, one of the problems is some of them is that, and I mean, like this is a niche interest, but some of them are built with this kind of like slab construction that's uh, incredibly yeah. dangerous because if, for example, you have a gas line explosion or something like that, mm. it'll blow out the whole facade of a building. Oh, so like, they are mm. they are Nate, not Nate turning this into an episode of well, there's your problem about <laughs> so the what, Ronan point cloud. I mean, I'm not, I'm, don't, don't <laughs> yeah. get me 
me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Literally me wrong. Like, blowing when, out the back walls. I lived, of the, I lived <laughs> the first. The first place I lived here in the United Kingdom was was an old council estate, and I it, it, its problem was that it was poorly maintained. It was actually like quite decently built and very sturdy, mm. especially yeah. compared to some of the fucking shit around yeah. here. And, and the yeah. shit they replace it with, yeah, and, is, and is this shoddy is shoddy as hell. Is shoddy as hell, but it's very sort of veneered, and it always has CGI designs of yeah, yeah. you know, it looks like a couples, couples walking down a sort of unlabeled shopping street. Would you mm. like to live in something that looks like twenty but, Nandos stacked on but, top of each but other? This is, and here's, I'm going to go back to this article, um, where it says that he's one of the. This is from the article itself. One of the most high-profile clashes has been with the U.S. tech giant Uber. Um, and as chair of TFL, Khan enthusiastically supports the regulator's decision to revoke Uber's license, which sounds like something a labor mayor should do in the case of a tech of an a tech monopolist trying to like exploit people's like like precarity to draw yeah. like, um, excess profits mm-hmm. out of them. And, and maybe a detail to point in here is that when Uber started up in London, it was paying salaries to, or was paying wages to drivers that were higher in aggregate than what you would make as mm-hmm. a black cab driver, which is a, like a super yeah. guild protected job. Yeah. But mm-hmm. now they have so many drivers on the roads that, and they've lowered the fares for the, the cuts they get. So Uber drivers are oftentimes just like in the hawk for their fucking car leases, and it's it's absolutely <laughs> the like guild of so, black cab drivers and their symbol of the crossed gollywogs. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> can I just quickly chip in here with something that happened to me last night, which is that I th- I feel like in this way Sadiq Khan is like the perfect mayor of London because he sort of encapsulates how pointless and meaningless most of the things that happen in London are. Like mm. because for example now my brain is obviously ruined by. The this podcast so whenever someone tells me that their friend has started a startup i'm always like oh god what the fuck is it now because it's never something good right so last night i met this person friend of a friend she was very nice and she started telling me about a friend of hers who has started a startup and i'm like and i'm like please don't tell me about it i don't want to know i don't want to i don't want to have to sit here and be like so many times before yeah and then it turns out this guy is starting a startup which i'm sure is very well meaning but it's a startup where it's an app good start where you can sponsor an individual homeless person (laughs) through an app to get job skills training to get a job <laughs> like sponsoring a fucking goat at the zoo uh, what's it I love to have like a, a contactless wipe my phone over the homeless person uh, I love to get letters every week in like crayon telling me how the homeless person is doing as though that's the problem <laughs> so they, they uh, basically model it on the same way that like middle class white people sponsor a kid in like Ethiopia yeah. yes yes Quite. And it's also like, do you know what would be a real solution to homelessness? Having housing you put people into. Do you know so, what they're not mm. doing? Building that. So, uh, back to the Uber thing. Um, some, and this is from the article again, may see the Uber tussle as proof of an anti-business strand running through Khan's approach to managing life in the capital, but he insists it's the opposite. When I became mayor, he says, there was a monopoly, but I believe in the market economy, and now we have not one, but a number of different operators. The market is working. Yeah, you can get awesome. an Uber Thank and you. a Lyft. And I, a- I love that we have like 12 different competing cab operators, all of which are going bust or going gangbusters all at different times. So I never know who's where. There's no joined up network for anything. It's all still pretty expensive, but they're all also trying to constantly undercut each other on price because some are venture capital subsidized and others aren't. So that eventually they can get into some kind of monopoly position. I love not knowing how I'm going to get somewhere six months from now because there are a bunch of competing uh, bits of JavaScript love- on the front end yeah. of a bunch of Amazon web service servers that are like what paying people different kinds of poverty wage. We well, could just I have love, a functioning to, bus I, service. I love to work for like all of these in different ways at the same time and like just be running all of these different apps on my phone while I run my shitty car into the ground getting paid in Amazon script. 
That's amazing. I, I mean, legitimate and legitimately, mm. if they just paid their taxes, if they if they, they weren't if the UK wasn't constantly cutting its corporate tax rate and granting exemptions to these massive companies, like as you said, Riley, they could they could improve. They could probably scrap all the insane diesel buses that are, make London have the absolute worst fucking air pollution in Europe. They could probably expand TFL massively. They could do more overground. They could do more buses. More twenty four hour twenty four hour buses. They could yeah. do more. Uh, you know, expand the tube more. They could. Have all they, they're going to have to do like a north crossrail a, a north south running crossrail mm-hmm. at some point anyway. Like they could make it so the northern line isn't basically like literally if it was animals instead of people, it would be violating fucking animal uh, animal welfare codes. Like there are things that they could do, but instead, invariably, like we wind up with people like Sadiq Khan who believe in the market, and it's like we can pre- we can present all these examples of how it's not sufficient, and the response you get is like, oh, so you're a Tory then? And it's like. No, we just want better, and we we would like to be able to elect a, a layer a, a labor mayor of London who doesn't get on TV and say labor deserves to lose. Uh, it's someone who actually wants to improve the material conditions of people working in the city, but instead it's just sort of like he's like they say I'm anti business, but actually I'm so pro business. I just don't want bad actors. I just want to get rid of the bad business apples. And it's like it's like fucking Mayor Elizabeth Warren. Yes. Mm. I want all yeah. my films to feature Lawrence Fox. Yeah, I've, I've convinced, no Sadiq, I've convinced Sadiq Khan to, buy, to build a new tube line of it's a really like Baroque shape that spells out controls on immigration. <laughs> <laughs> like, do, do you want to know why we're going to lose the next election? We're going to lose the next election because we've just done 40 minutes of metropolitan elitism and none of you have been talking about towns at all. I said Damn. I wanted a functioning bus service. You're wrong. Yeah, I was going to say also, <laughs> to be honest with you, having taken buses in other cities while campaigning yeah it's really grim it makes you miss london the problems with london's transport network notwithstanding because like in crawley for example all the tickers that tell you when the bus arrives it's it was like a flashback to new york city where like none of that means anything none of those tickers have any correspondence Mm. with when the train's actually arriving Mm. yeah but now they'll tell you that crawley is open always Mm. and forever uh, yeah, Crawley well, is European, damn it. One thing to also to bear in mind, because I grew up in like a, one of you kind of the outside outside of the city, and we had like one bus service, an Arriva bus service, which kind of covers a lot of towns and villages in this country. Which, like, for mm. the, the worst kind of London bus is like a million times better than the Arriva, like any sort of Arriva service. Um, but every time I used to go to like council meetings or you go to like per, like parish meetings or whatever. And you say, but look, like the one bit of transport that takes us out of this like stupid place that like prevents us from having to like buy cars and everything costs like six pounds one way, mm. right? And they'll kind of say that, well, in London, like these things don't work either. So imagine mm. what it's like when we're kind of so what I, right. So like yeah. if, if if like the most well endowed city like isn't taking active steps to show that like there are better things that we can do or like there are different ways in which we can arrange mm. things, then it also kind of it's, it stops like towns and villages mm. from doing the same thing. And I also yeah. got to say this because compared to New York City, London's bus service and transport network in general are like, it's, it's light years ahead. It's so much better. And I guess I don't say that to, to let London off the hook, but rather to say it can get so much worse. And it, if it gets mm. worse, it's going to get worse under the mm. supervision of an ostensibly left-leaning or center-left Mm. leadership because none of these people actually care they're so Mm. distanced from it and if this person even in a situation where you would think nominally in an incredibly pro-labor region like london they would have a reason to support these things that have polled very popularly 
Instead, he's turning around and trying to make himself like mm. the, the the Howard Schultz of the Labor Party. Like, if that's where his priorities lie, what's going to happen when there's actual yeah. when there's an actual challenge? Well, yeah. Why 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 couldn't you have something more like Liverpool, where the mayor yeah. uh, Joe Anderson is just like, "Fuck you, no more austerity." Yeah, that uh, guy rules. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're just not going to do it. Because I think the channel through which austerity flows is yeah. through, for most people, is through cuts to local services. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah, so yeah. if so, the, so the, this mayor basically saying, "Fuck you, I won't do it." Uh, I mean, we'll see how that plays out. I mean, I remember Liverpool did something kind of similar once yeah, in the 1980s. And it led to Neil Kinnock's a Labour council. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I mean, we'll see how that goes. But yeah, but I mean, like, particularly in the south, there's a lot of like very like smug middle class politicking, and I think you see it a bit with what the Greens do in Brighton, which is where they're like they make these gestures towards progress. Like the Greens are like, oh well, you know, we we envisage a carless society, but they don't do anything to achieve it no. other than just like making it impossible to park in Brighton. It's like, well, well done, you've just fucked over people who need to drive. Like well, you've is- not you've not provided an alternative, and that's the same shit they do in London, where they're like, okay, we're going to do these things to like make it harder to drive in London, but we're not going to like build a fucking tube line like fuck you if you live in all of south london well, what we're gonna do is what we're, we're going to do is we're going to let the market fix it which is clearly yeah, what yeah. city con wants to do which, which and, like, is why we- it costs 705 million pounds per mile of track in central yeah. london uh, because when we let the market mm-hmm. fix it, then because what, where where public transport is completely privatized, like Hussein was saying, is in towns. If you get Sadiq's argument that the market is basically good and the market should be applied to public transport, then you know what you're going to have is that we're going to have a London that where the transport is arranged like like more like where Hussein comes from. Mm. Or more yeah. like the MTA. Six, We're just going to have like one. leaking yeah. tube tunnels. And also, I mean, something I point out that Damn, uh, I hate when my tube leaks is that. Tube. It's ridiculous how much money they charge, how much we wind up paying for all these contractors and subcontractors and such to do construction. But just bear in mind that in New York City, it's 705 million pounds per, per kilometer mm-hmm. would be an amazing bargain considering that when yeah. they were building the second Avenue subway mm-hmm. in New York City, it wound up averaging something along the lines of 3 billion pounds per kilometer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, was, it was absurd. It's absolutely every, yeah. absurd. Every British public infrastructure project is just that thing with the Chinese hitman. <laughs> Every contractor hires another contractor until eventually the government is paying ten million dollars, but there's some guy who's being paid five dollars to do it who has no experience and doesn't speak English. Uh, so I'd like I'd like to move us on, nonetheless. Uh, do the is... exact same segment again about Wigan for balance. <laughs> hmm. But this is this is this is uh, the, these are the priorities of Sadiq Khan, someone who has decided mm. upon which side of the of the toast the butter is. Mm. Um, I still like, like to- my laser sight idea. I like that there's a parallax view guy up on a rooftop somewhere, and he's making just making like, him be centrist. Mm, yes, I am very friendly to business. You may think I'm being unfriendly to business, but in fact, I'm being, if anything, more friendly to it. So all the mm-hmm. men that are chasing him are Jason Statham body doubles that look like Jeff Bezos. Yes, they're all so- Chinese guys being paid less than the living wage. <laughs> So, moving on uh, to the Remain Mujahideen, which um, (laughs) the Remain Mujahideen, of course, is coming out to protest this the day upon which we're recording that Brexit happens. Uh, They're flooding the streets. It's like the Wolferendum times a million. (laughs) Um, People's Vote has organized multiple different protest groups uh, there. It's like the Gilets Jaunes in here. Yeah, I, um, I just love to yeah. see a bunch of Remainers in the back of a Toyota pickup truck that has a, like a Soviet anti-aircraft <laughs> gun in there for some reason. No, so the the 
the um the yeah the UK does leave the European Union today on the day what we're talking that we are talking to one another and several days yeah. before we're talking and, and, to you. And Big Ben isn't gonna bong for Brexit because we didn't bong enough Bob for Big Ben to bong for Brexit. <laughs> no, that uh, is Britain is Britain is doomed. Like Britain yeah. is genuinely like in in some ways I wish they had raised enough money for Big Ben to fucking bong because as stupid as it is it would have suggested that the UK government at least wasn't a total pathetic joke that like the UK government could at least muster half a million quid for their stupid political gesture and they fucking can't they can't even do that like I mean like I, I have this theory now that like Britain is has become the dumbest country on earth because we have to forget that we were once the most evil country on earth otherwise we'd have to start asking questions about how we got in too incompetent to be evil anymore we've stopped being evil not really because we don't want to be but just because we no longer have the resources to do it on any meaningful yeah. scale it's just, like, what, it's just like embarrassing what, evil what, what, I'm, yeah. what i'm focusing on here is that uh, our future our choice open britain people's vote best for britain all of these groups all of these groups that i usually refer to as jabat al remain um they've just now that brexit's happening they've just they packed up their political projects and they've gone home. There seem to be mm. nothing. They seem to be saying nothing, doing nothing beyond writing some op-eds in the New European. They, That's they, they it. Seem Back to Bonds. Yeah, wait, 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 jacked, goofy. What, what do you have to say on this podcast? <laughs> gosh, gosh, guys, it's almost like this was a thing to fuck over labor in the first place. You know what the funny thing is? The really bleakly Joker moment is is that in the aftermath of the election and us getting owned. Somebody anonymously, a, a labor source, senior labor source, gave a mm. quote to the press that said that Ash Sarkar had uh, like gone to Labor HQ that night, seen the results, and walked out. She wasn't there, and she could prove it, but the line was, these people have literally joined our party, wrecked it, and walked away. And that's exactly what happened with people's vote. They, yeah. they just... Mm. It, Labour went from leading in the polls to being several points under in the polls and then getting owned, and all of these like former Lib Dem PPCs and so on are just gonna like walk away dusting their hands theatrically and saying, Well, job done. You know, we tried our best. Mm. The thing for me is that it's like it's basically like these people they just want to go to custard tart Valhalla, right? Like it's like <laughs> it doesn't the actual actually remaining in the EU isn't what matters to them. It's that they made a big a big bold big boy stand against it, and now they get to like keep their honor intact and like mm. clutch their pearls. They're like, oh no, I'm being torn well, asunder from my true love. Not Angela only Merkel. that, but they also managed to destroy Corbynism as a political project. Mm. Yes, so that's that's a nice bonus for them. Damn, but now they're going to have to eat jam tarts, and who'll be making that jam? Well, so the thing is, like, and that's also not to say that every, like, marcher on the, like, anti-Brexit marches was just being like, well, time to destroy Corbynism no, as a political project. No, that's a really sad no, thing. It, 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 was... it's a... So, like, the, the people like, you know, at Lynn underscore 836-735-437, like, FBPE or whatever, like... Profile picture is a dog. <laughs> yeah, they're, mm. like, an unfocused, out-of-center picture of a dog. Like, retweet if you support... Yeah. yeah. Retweet if you think the UK should be part of Luxembourg or whatever. Yeah. You know, like, th these people, like, they're, they're just passionately 
cosmopolitan. They just like being in the EU. They don't mm. like the idea of right-wing backsliding. They don't want this change. But what happened what happened was is that like their actual passion for doing for this political project was harnessed by cynical chancers like Alistair Campbell. And now that Brexit is gone, uh Brexit is Brexit is happening. It's coming and going. Um the like all these bottom feeders that ran all of these like astroturfed organizations like, you know, like oh, our future, our choice, or people's vote, or whatever—they're just—they're just gone. Their political project is no longer there, and and that's it. They and that's it. I, I think the other thing to note is that tonight, when we leave the EU at 11 p.m., not midnight for mm. some reason, there will be genuine sorrow from people who, aside from having like some personal connection, like worrying that they might get kicked out of the country, genuinely have developed this emotional attachment to European institutions. Have just been taken mm. for a ride by these absolute dickheads, and yeah. like who are just now leaving them in the lurch. I think like, what's it- interesting, yeah, I was going to say like what's interesting is like seeing in like the aftermath of all this because there has been like a minor reckoning. But I've I've seen like people who mm. were kind of very pro EU, and for them like the kind of passion issue was like we need to stay in the European Union, or at the very least we need to have a relationship that kind of. Um, that kind of like explores a more fluid continuation. Yeah, mm. to, to have that European identity, right? Mm. You know, and it can mean like several things. But basically, I guess what I'm trying to say is that like they've all of a sudden sort of been drawn into this kind of political fight that I don't think that they really wanted to be in, mm. where it was one which was like reckoning with like these very vague ideas of like what Corbynism is, um, to kind of like make these false choices between like, you know, there, there's a line that goes around with in terms of like a lot of FBP people in terms of if you voted for Corbyn, then you're complicit, but they're not really sure in like what complicity actually means. Mm. And if you bring and if you bring this up with anyone, they're kind of, you know, it's to say, well, okay, if you kind of contributed in Labour losing, because they were the only people who could have won. Yeah. in 2019 there was no other I mean, was, Owen Smith would have won a landslide <laughs> there, we was, all know there, this. there was no other outcome so like by not doing that were you also complicit in like mm. the Tories winning were you complicit in Brexit were you complicit in these new things now where like Sajid Javid is looking to kind of restart austerity using kind mm. of other words but they won't answer those things or no, they'll yeah. kind of like they'll be very hesitant to answer those things well, so there hasn't really been a lot of clarity yeah and I think there are a growing number of people who have sort of realized that the pro-EU movement was there were like there was a lot of like bad intentions in that. Yeah. Because they don't even have a point. When they say that like people who voted for Corbyn are complicit, that's just not even that's not even correct. Because right. like Corbyn was the person who came closest to threading the needle of and like keeping the Brexiteers on they board. Wanted. They yeah. still got him to push for a second referendum and Exactly. Like, and that's <laughs> what made it worse, right? Whereas like yeah. the Paul Embry people are wrong, but they at least have a point, which is that like right. you might have kept some of those people on board if you'd pressed the racism button. And yes. they, they are probably right. It's yes, not worth don't, doing. Don't, don't cry because you got what you fucking wanted. Yeah. You got a second referendum and look at the result. Mm-hmm. There yeah. it is. And the, the, that's the other thing. I think I'd like to emphasize this thing about complicity that Hussein's bringing up, right? This is also to do with their assumption that Brexit is somehow the fault of the left, not mm. campaigning for it in the right, proper, yeah. liberal way. Because there is this widespread liberal belief, which is very strange next to their stated values of persuasion and compromise and rational debate, mm. that the entire right is this unpersuadable lump and mass, and you have to just react to it. And you always have to manage it and console it and, and sort of try to mollify it and, and, and try to just keep it from its worst excesses, and that you can't sort of try to outplay it. You can't outflank it. You can't try to beat it. 
you can't protest against it. It's not it can never be your political enemy. It's just this thing that exists that needs to be managed. And because Corbyn didn't campaign for Remain enough, because we didn't come around to the second referendum quickly enough, because you when you did come around to the second referendum, you didn't say which side you, you would campaign on. Mm. You never joined up with us entirely. And you never joined up with our, our understanding, which is, well, we have to mollify the right. Join us. So we can, and you're the only lever mm. we can pull the left. We can't yeah. pull on this lever the right. But also, I mean, I would point out too that, I mean, you look at some of the just incredibly disingenuous, bad faith things that have happened. When you think about people like Chukwuma saying in 2016, um, after the referendum, or I think maybe before the referendum, like, well, if we can get rid of freedom of movement, then that's worth leaving the single market. And then him being like, oh no, Jeremy Corbyn's shocking lack of leadership and inability to oppose Brexit is why I have to start my own shitty party and then join the Lib Dems. Like, None of that all gets memory hold, and the the narrative. Mm. I mean, I saw today is people being like, "Well, I blame Corbyn and the goddamn lefties," and it's it's just, it's so it's so transparently false. I mean, I think that if 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 you had allowed, I was opposed to Brexit. Uh, I certainly would have preferred the softest of soft Brexit to whatever fucking nightmare shithole we're going to get. But I think that if you had gone with what happened in 2017 and you hadn't, you basically said the referendum result has to be respected and we're going to, we're going to find a compromise solution that is still Brexit, even if it's soft Brexit, you might've done better. But I mean, I don't think you can look at what happened in the general election and say, you know, oh no, we just didn't remain hard enough. Mm. I just don't think that's true. Yeah, but and 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 and, and that's I where agree. we are exactly. And I think <laughs> the point three custard talk grift. And I think the point <laughs> that you made there, Riley, that all of these organizations, literally, they shut down. They didn't even shut down. Now they shut down before the election. Like for example, People's Vote, when Labor adopted its position, because otherwise they would have been put in the awkward situation of having to endorse Jeremy Corbyn. And their whole, you know, modus operandi was finding a wedge with which to split support well, for the Labour Party. The, the one that didn't was Best for Britain, which we talked about before. Oh, which, fuck's sake, yeah. Which ran a disinformation campaign to scuttle yes. Labour. Yes, and like, which, which probably lost us Kensington. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, in conclusion, in conclusion, um, the, the ca capitulating to these chancers was, in retrospect, a very bad idea, and the left is going to be loath to do it again. But they're going to try, and they're going to take over the Lib Dems and, and run a spoiler and, party again yeah. later. And, 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 I think and, and meanwhile, on the right, we just because Riley, I was struck by something you said about Brexit coming and going. We're just engaged in like a Trotskyite permanent revolution. We just have Brexit now cannot mm. end. We have to be Brexiting forever. So that, that's going to be fun. It's just, mm. This psychosis is never going to stop. However many election cycles into the future, we'll be well, fucking still it, relitigating it. It's just a maxim that we're all used to, which is that we're going to this year is just going to be another version of 2016. Mm. Yes, like we're we're going to be living. We're living in a 2016 cycle that is never going I to know, end. I, I actually don't think I agree. I think there are some people who are. Um, but I think I'll, if, well, those if people we, like run the news. Yeah, but but no, no, hold on. I don't <laughs> right. think we are because like. Alistair Campbell, he's he, he he's shut down his organization. The government is mm. talking about doing things now that he's are busy doing that, a podcast with his failed daughter that are going to be not related to Brexit, even though they might be related to Brexit. In fact, they'll be framed as not related to my, Brexit. Oh, my trade negotiations. Is that those will be totally subsumed by it, yeah. and that anything mm. coming from the left or even from liberals will just be framed as bloody Ramonas trying to like undo Brexit and talk down Britain. I, I, this Maybe. is, I feel like, the only prism left for understanding politics. Dominic Cummings has somehow Thucydides, Sun Tzu, Machiavelli'd all of us, and we're just mm. stuck with this.
Mm, well, hey, I can't wait until he makes like our, a, a thousand, let a thousand Theranoses bloom in <laughs> Dominic Cummings' vision. But I mean, I guess the point that I would make at the end of it is Labor was in an impossible situation because a significant number of its membership, the majority of its membership is pro-Remain. These organizations had tons of funding from shitheads who were both rich and opposed to Corbyn, but also mm. nominally labor adjacent. And they took a gamble. It lost massively. It sucked. The people who said this was wrong were correct. They, they, I, fair, fair play to them. They were wrong. They were, they were right, and we were wrong. I say we, we never really took a hard position on it. But I think that the, if we, if every single member of this podcast were to be asked, like, if you could just snap your fingers and decide, we probably, I would assume, all would have said remain in the European Union. Sure. And and they lost. And the problem is, I don't know how you can go back and play that any differently because I really do believe that had they stuck to the 2017 line, you know, as, as just sort of dogged determination from the leader's office, then I think you would have seen an even bigger scuttling of the labor vote taken by the Greens and the Lib Dems. Mm-hmm. I think we were fucked either way. And it sucks really bad. It's really awful. Yeah. Yep. It's just, do, do you want to lose on second referendum or like mm-hmm. remain and reform or mm. whatever either I way think the, the, the point the point i'm trying to make here is that all of these shitheads are gone now they have a chat they've they appear to have just given up because politics for them is just a debate no, but they haven't though that's they'll the thing be back was, in they'll in great be back. numbers the point of this project is to destroy the left it doesn't matter whether or not it's based on a real issue mm-hmm. the point of this project is they have now determined they, they they feel as though they have this moral high ground that they and now that labor has lost labor can't argue like it did after 2017 saying shut up we've got something that works we don't have that argument anymore mm-hmm. so what's going to happen is they're going to be like oh well root and branch we have to undo this menace the menace isn't brexit the menace is the left yeah, but what i, what mm-hmm. I mean is is that the the remain project is now gone? It's good. It these people aren't gone, but but you think the, the remain project is going is anywhere? I mean, fuck's sake! No, but that I, shit's yeah. all gonna well, stay. I was I was gonna make this point, which is like the the, uh, the lasting legacy of this is that in the past few years, what we've had is an eruption of like a new punditry, right? Mm. Um, and like a new kind of media ec- like economy system where, and it wasn't. We shouldn't kind of like the irony of like the BBC slashing like tons of service stuff and like producers and stuff shouldn't be lost in us. Like the media landscape has changed and like the people who have benefited from the last few years and will continue to benefit are these new generation of like reactionary pundits who have all been fueled by this kind of, by the ongoing like Brexit wars. Mm. And again, like uh, the people who have succeeded even in that have been the people who have been, be- who have benefited from the destruction of mm. the left, right? Well, I, I, What's Mr. Clapton Brexit going to do with his name now? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that does speak to to my point, which is that like Brexit is the only thing left now, uh, and I think for like I think culture we wars miss- haven't died, right? Yeah. The culture wars no, out of Brexit I, I, haven't I, I, died. Is this going to rebrand miss- in another? Form? Yeah, I think we misstated when we when we when we were joking about the Brexit cast just becoming the news cast. I think that like. The Brexit cast has just consumed the news cast, right? It's just like ever the news is will now just continue as like an avenue of Brexit. It is a continuation of Brexit by other means, and it has to because it suits people like Dominic Cummings and it suits people on the like liberal wing who want a stick to beat the left with for it to continue on this sort of culture war basis. The next thing will probably be Scottish independence, and then mm. God knows what after that. But it's all going to be Brexit by another name. Really excited for this new album from Huey Lewis and the Brexit. <laughs> so, I, I want to move us on to something just a little bit nice that we can finish off with. Nice. A little bit fun. 
a little bit light. It's the number 69, folks. Uh, and it is, uh, God damn it. And this is a, a vintage Raphael Bear column. Now, mm. those of you who listened to our bonus episode where we read his 2006 shoes column know mm. that before 2010, Raphael Bear's writing was odd. Shoeless. It's pretty, it's pretty he odd. He didn't wear shoes when he was writing, and now he does. <laughs> it was pretty odd recently. Like, his most recent column was, I had a mm. heart attack, and I think it made me, like, yes. get over Brexit. Mm. But, but, at least, like, that... He sort of knows what he's writing about now. Mm. In the pre-2010 era, Raphael Bear has a very interesting need to produce columns, mm. but he never quite knows about what. Yeah. Here and- at Chateau Trash to Fuge, we grow our Raphael Bear columns in the finest microclimate <laughs> to so, give them the just fresh, just a, yeah. fresh finish on the palette so that you're used to. So a rare to. vintage up from the cellars I have gone, I have gone into the cellars of The Guardian and I have pulled out a 2009 Raphael Bear column. I've weird, blown the weird dust micro, off it. Weird, weird microclimate, Val. Um, yeah. And, and I'm, <laughs> I'm opening up the cork, and I'm ready to deliver to you a modest proposal at Alton Towers. Episode title. Honestly, like, <laughs> fuck. This sounds like a Famous Five book. Ladies, what, what if we simply ate the children? Ladies' hemlines mm. are supposed to fall in a recession. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. A little what bit of solicitor energy to start us off. <laughs> and so it makes sense that gentlemen's pants should get baggier. Excuse me? What? No, it doesn't. The, the, yeah, that first uh, sentence is two things that don't... Why is, he, why is he using pants in the American sense? Or at least I hope uh, he's using it in the American sense. No, he is not. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, it's an austerity thing. Just as the culture of an economic boon is boom is brazen and flashy lean times demand sobriety and discretion my two sisters sure enough last (laughs) week alton towers announced a ban on skimpy swimming trunks oh no no this isn't what the whole article is about is it wait 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 alton towers is like a theme park right yeah Yeah, like a dismal six flags for american listeners yeah Yeah. Uh, the small brief style is not appropriate for a family venue according to the pleasure park headquarters which is disappointingly not called alton towers towers stop calling it a pleasure park when you're talking about kids swimming trunks it's for for adults you could just fucking write anything in a newspaper in 2009 johan hari was still working uh fucking like liz smith was writing about how she hates her children and stuff yeah the implication any bullshit you wanted you could get published the implication is that by the way i'm not removing a single word from this Uh, Mm. i have i've taken every single word rafael barra said and i'm presenting it back to you the implication is that public sensibilities are affronted by clothing that hugs the outline of male genitals what? <laughs> a man in bulging briefs invades the space of other customers in a way his Bermuda-shorted counterpart does not. <laughs> so people keep telling me on the Victoria line, <laughs> Sir, sir, <laughs> please stop wearing that man thong. <laughs> we were just all... Wait, 2009, had the Borat, like, mankini been invented yet? Oh, yeah, yeah, that was 2007, or yeah. even 2006, Borat. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, say outraged Speedo Packers, the offen- offense cannot be located <laughs> in the trunks themselves. <laughs> Speedo Packers is a homophobic slur from the olden time. <laughs> it, ha- it has to happen. It has to happen in the prudish mind of the offended party. And what authority does he or she claim to dictate what fellow bathers wear? Who hurt Raphael Bear? What happened? To- what like- did someone say to him at Alton Towers? <laughs> Just, well, why is he writing so much strange columns about shoes and Speedos? <laughs> 
after like 20, say 12 or 2015 even, this would be a thing about like, I don't know how the trans women orcs are coming into the bathing spaces or something about the burkini. But instead, mm. this is just oh, like- Oh, that comes up. Oh, uh... does it? Well, you just defeated my entire Sorry. point, which is, <laughs> oh, no. this is a harmless, nice little column about how weird it is that you can just see someone's dick. I just, I just want to oh, see no, some dick worry. outline. No, no, he's, he's in favour of dick outline, is my understanding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he wants him. to see that dick print. Yo, exactly. Yeah. Yo, show me that dick, though. Yeah, just a hint of dick to keep <laughs> it interesting. At first glance, this is a classic conflict of positive and negative rights. One person's <laughs> freedom to wear what they choose, competing with another's freedom from indecent exposure. It should therefore be possible to resolve the le- the dilemma on liberal terms using John Stuart Mill's "quote unquote" harm principle. <laughs> Oh Jesus Christ! I'm imagining him like me being thrown mm, out of the, me is... being thrown out of the park office at Alton Towers as I read to them from John Stuart Mill. This is a man who's forgot he had a deadline. Applying Marxist dialectics to whether or not we should be able to see your dick mm. is something yeah. we would do. Should we this all have to wear huge absolute... linen coats to the swimming hole? <laughs> this is absolutely something I'm going to pitch in my like editors' meeting like in ten minutes because I. <laughs> I have zero idea. Does the sight of a male member bound in lycra really cause enough injury to justify Don't curtailing the civil the liberties of its owner? Bound there, dude. Probably Curtail not. the civil liberties. And, and then Raphael Bear says, probably not. Speedos one, Alton Towers zero. <laughs> okay. I love non-league football. In France, <laughs> in, in France, they've got the whole issue covered, or rather uncovered, by Republican doctrine. Everyone has to wear proper spinning, swimming costumes, which means speedos for men. Ostensibly, this is for public health reasons. Shorts might be worn around all day and so import bacteria to the water. But it no. also reflects a certain Gallic affection for uniformity. The rule was cited in a case last week of a woman expelled from a municipal pool near Paris for wearing a burkini, a head-to-toe costume designed to allow Muslim women to swim piously. So that's, that's all he says about it. I hate yes. it. I hate it when I go to the French swimming hole and Jean Luc du Pedophilie has to check under my foreskin <laughs> to make sure everything's all right. So the yeah, individuals. No, this, is, this is what I mean about it being a more innocent time, though, right? He just mentions this in passing. Yeah. There's no. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. no like detail. There's no political point to that. It's just like noting a thing that happened in France where they have racism, which we haven't yeah. got yet. It's like mm, mm. cool. So the individual- Charlie Hebdo cartoon of Muslims with cartoonishly huge dicks <laughs> bulging through their speedos. So the individual's right to conceal his or her body from public view is subordinate to the collective right to a clean pool in secular society. Speedos two, Alton Towers zero. What? So what? wait, he just—I take it back. He, in a sort of harmless noting fashion, just advocated for like niqab bans and shit on the basis <laughs> that you should mm-hmm. be able to see people's dicks. Wait, so uh, this is that like that. That applies to such a small amount of people, too. I mean, I'll be honest because I want to see that dick. He's, he's a dick's out for Harambe guy. I, I will say, I will say that the French are really insane about this. I remember swimming in a pool in Paris, and I had two old speedos that were kind of worn out from when I was like a high school swimmer. And so, like when I was a high school swimmer, you would just wear multiple suits because, like that way, you you weren't walking around with like transparent fucking uniforms because, like, they wear out when you're swimming twice a day, you know, mm. six days a week. When your dick's as big and abrasive. And as I basically, mine. I basically <laughs> had to like, the the lifeguard was like okay, I'll let you do it this one time, but don't come back. Like, you have to come back with just one structurally integral Speedo. Like, they're that into it. Mm. Like, they're literally like, wait a minute, are you mm. wearing two Speedos? That's against the rules. I'm like, but it's still a Speedo. doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, they're really, really into it in France, which I mean, like, does that 
Libertarian. Yes. <laughs> but, but somehow, neither the liberal nor Republican arguments seem to accommodate the essence, part aesthetic, part cultural, of why Speedos are objectionable. You see, that's the thing about a Raphael Bear call in pre-2010. He takes you on a journey. Yeah. You yeah. think that he's like really pro-Speedos, but now he's mm. like coming back round to the other side. I, I wonder what his actual like verdict is going to be on this. Oh, like, what, I want what? to see which way Judge Bear comes down on this. Do, oh, mm. oh, you, you sweet summer child, you think he comes down on one side of this question. <laughs> oh, because I forgot. Because you could, because you could publish anything. You could just like do a column that was like just asking questions <laughs> as like a l- delightful little fancy. A pasty mm. fat man in ill-fitting swimwear transgresses <laughs> no what one's human rights. <laughs> <laughs> a pasty fat man in ill-fitting swimwear transgresses no one's human rights. But then it doesn't exactly kill him to wear something else. Cool. <laughs> awesome. I, love, I, I feel like all civil rights debates should involve the figure of the pasty fat man in an ill-fitting <laughs> swimsuit. <laughs> it's like the man on the Clapham omnibus. Yeah. But just like- the, man, the man on the Clapham omnibus is wearing an ill-fitting speedo. And frankly, he should see why everyone is served by his dressing more modestly. But that's the real problem with skimpiness. It isn't a question of rights at all. That's the real problem. The so real wait, problem with skimpiness. He just argues like a, a rights-based question for like seventy-five percent, mm. and he's like, "Ah, that's the thing. It's actually not about rights Harry, at all." Harry Speedo. Potter and the real problem with skimpiness. Skimpiness is defined by the Oxford English Dictionary as. Mm. But this is a very complicated way of saying, "Fellas, is it gay to wear pants?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it isn't a question of rights at all, but of dignity and self-knowledge. <laughs> what the fuck? No, the, oh yes, Gnothi Seauton, yeah. as is written above the gates of fucking Alton Towers. <laughs> you, you have to know how big your dick is and how it's going to print and make an informed mm. decision about that. The Great Enlightenment Political Philosophies. Yeah, oh my <laughs> All God. about this, Were famously. defined in reaction against conservative establishments and clerical oppression. They seek emancipation. What would Ayatollah Khomeini say about this? <laughs> <laughs> but, well, he's a man who never showed any guff. Mm. So, yeah, no. very trim. I had Talakamani, very long dick, very thin dick, not very wide. <laughs> but, but that means they neglect the idea of virtue that constrains rather than liberates modesty, chastity, abstinence. As a result, oh, my I other say, sisters. I, yeah, ad, I, as, <laughs> as a result, I, I, I say locking the cock cage around me. As a result, advocacy of these behaviors is monopolized by religious conservatives who can all too easily character- caricature li- liberalism as morally degenerate. Wait, so which he, apparently- he saw a fat man in a speedo and thought, <laughs> why is there no liberal argument against this? Uh, no, no. He remember, he saw the sign at Alton Towers saying, please don't wear speedos. And then he imagined a fat man in a speedo to uh, construct normal. the liberal argument for it. It was actually normal. a sign at Alton Towers saying, you can't wear speedos made of yams. <laughs> <laughs> Just saw a sign at Alton Towers I mean, no fat dudes. It's the damn no British girth. psychosis yet again. I've invented mm. a thing that's completely imaginary, and now I'm furious about it. But he's not well, furious. Why does he's it just say curious. No fat chicks but he's just, just bemoaning it. Yams. Like it's it's. I think you have to understand guy. that that the the, the pre 2010 uh, Raphael Bear articles are just sort of. This a, a curious man just asking some questions. Just so happens that all the questions are very stupid. Say, to write this, New yeah. Labour Guardian produced such insane creatures. I swear to God, he probably got paid my last year's annual salary to write this. So yeah, I, I, I so much prefer this to fucking like uh, two pages of Graham Linehan. You know, yeah. So, this ethical provocation has to be the first for a theme park like the Agora of Ancient Athens. <laughs> 
Wow. Where no one was wearing pants, to be fair. <laughs> but with rides. But with rides. Mount, Mount Splash Olympus. <laughs> but with rides and pigeons snatching chips out of bins. No, the Agora had that. <laughs> yeah, the Agora had the, the you could get the, the log Got flume. a guy jacking it in a barrel. <laughs> it was cool, man. Alt- Trash Future live from the Agora. Alton, T- Alton Towers has posed an intellectual challenge to the foundations of liberal democracy. <laughs> You could just you could just say some incredible yes. things before we have the fascism. I'm, I'm sorry for what I said earlier. This article fucking rules. <laughs> it's so I good. This, this is like something I would write while I was high. <laughs> like what? <laughs> Uh, what is the secular case for modesty in the age of moral license? Call it the speedo question. Here endeth. Wait, he ends the article. Yes. Yes. Wait, does he actually say here endeth? No, I say be, here oh, endeth. I mean, Damn. This is basically like yeah. Sorry, uh, I'm I'm just like leaning over my my brain my my brain has suddenly become very heavy. Um, mm. I feel no. like so I I feel very like in, in 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 one way this is the type of stuff I used to read on like atheist forums. Um, mm. like the kind of like new atheist forums where they like pretended that they were very smart because they like memorized Hitch twenty two. Mm. Um, and they would kind of just like take these basically like ridiculous non-problems and extend them for like pages and pages of threads. Oh, like the human um, pet guy, right? The- yeah, yeah. But they would they would kind of apply it to things like mm. the bikini and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Sarah has um, ten sweets. Ranjit has yeah. twenty-two sweets. But why right. wouldn't the liberals let me show my dick? <laughs> not not, not <laughs> to reintroduce Project Milo, yeah. but do you guys know about the human pet guy? Uh, yes, I actually would like to not talk about the human pet um, guy. But like, what, what, I, what I was going to say is that human pets when, when like all the stuff about the bikini was happening, um, mm. one of like the arguments on these atheist forums were like, well, the bik- like it's pointless to even have a bikini anyway because you can see, you can see the curves of the woman. So mm. isn't that the same as like a man wearing a speedo and you can see like the rim of his dick, like, like lady shapes yeah. with Alan Partridge? This is, this is that in a column, but it's also just like an example of. The liberation, the liberated like galaxy takes that occurred when like we weren't stuck in the like the same yeah. loop of a year. Yeah. Raphael Bear being furious because he bought a bikini yeah. and it made him look nothing like Edmund <laughs> so Burke. On, on, the, on, the, on the one hand, I'm furious. <laughs> on the one hand, I'm just like I think that this article is insane, and I'm like getting I love it an aneurysm over mm. it. But on the other hand, I think to myself like I want to go back to that time. Yes, when- the end of history. When, when yeah. yeah, the real end of history is when you show up to your office hungover as shit, and you're like, "Fuck, I've got a deadline today. Yeah. I'm going to write you're about wearing my a dick. speedo because you couldn't find any clean underwear. <laughs> it, it, it's just like, speedo yeah. <laughs> It's funny to me because in the United States, speedos were never particularly popular. We've always sort of thought of them as like a weird thing that Europeans wear, who are somehow gay somehow. Um, <laughs> Where do you put a gun in a speedo? When I was a ki- when I was a kid, you'd wear swim trunks. But like you know, when I go to pools in America or to the beach now, like kids wear much almost like like cargo shorts, like almost like fucking like capri. bathing they, suits. They swim mm. in capris or in jinkos. <laughs> like swimming jeans. And, 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 and I mean, obviously, in some Genies. cases, for like for like to av- avoid fucking sunburns and shit, kids will wear like actual shirts as well when they swim too. But it's mm. the weirdest thing because in a way, it's like. That has nothing to do with modesty or Islam, or I guess maybe it's like a weird kind of American modesty. Yeah. But it's like yeah, American there's nothing Islam. to do with Islam. <laughs> from the beach like, first. If you, if, like, like, like somehow, somehow mm. you have to, you, you make little kids feel ashamed that if they wear that they wear comfortable bathing suits, then like they're gay somehow. It's the weirdest thing. Yeah. And, and so it's what's so strange to me about this is just like that. You can find some bugbear to like attack over this, whether it's the burkini is somehow I don't fucking know, like like. 
like that this is somehow restrictive of civil liberties or like unhygienic or whatever. But ultimately, like I don't think anyone's going to look at what France does with the way that it enforces these rules and be like, oh no, this is mm. this is a completely apolitical, just hygiene centric focus. Yeah. It's because they hate Muslims. But, like, but it's what yeah. you're missing the point of the article, which is that he doesn't care about any of that. No, he's just. He's just saw a sign and had some thoughts because this is from before the politics came so back. So this is basically yeah. bathing suit yam future. Yes. This is this yes. is your uncle yes. rambling That's exactly at dinner. Exactly what this is. Yeah. This is just because in the end of history, when the when history had still ended, this is what columnists did, and it's important that we remember that. <laughs> we have to have like a yeah. museum line that preserves the job of the columnist who just noticed things. I just <laughs> I, I, I just love the idea of like American weird like puritanical shit going to its logical conclusion which is that all kids have to wear niqabs because otherwise you're a pedophile from looking at them. <laughs> that's right michelle hulebeck i was gonna say yeah that's that's it and so in 2009 we had mm. uh, when we asked questions about bathing suits it was like huh weird i wonder i wonder what john stewart mill would say about my thong <laughs> and now we have uh, it's every everyone either has to be wearing a niqab or no one can wear a niqab <laughs> like that, that's the, str the strangest thing right is because he's referencing a real thing that happened in france at that time the politics were happening it clearly it just, it was meat for all of these people to just be able to ignore them. Yeah. Ah, les politiques. Uh, just, yeah. Just, yeah, so join, join, so thank you for joining us in that retrospective on just a strange era in column writing. Yeah, it's like I'm going you know, to leave it a little while before I go back into the bear archives again, mm. before I go back into the cellar and pull out another fine bottle. But I, I do <laughs> hope you all enjoyed this particular very delightful find. Exactly. It's like a window into a time when like Russell Brand and Jonathan Ross were a thing. Mm. So Simpler everyone time. was listening to the future heads. So with mm. that, I say... Now uh, I was listening to the Trash Future Heads, am I right? Oh, <laughs> oh God. So with that, I say, uh, thank you all very much for listening yet again. Uh, this has been Trash Future with just just the main cast. Mm. Um, and uh, hey, Just the Bear fans. Okay, so at the time of this recording, there are 17 tickets left for the Trash Future inaugural live union debate. Uh, where we will be debating the resolution. This house believes Elon Musk is a real-life Willy Wonka, where I will be the speaker. Uh, Milo Edwards will lead the government, uh, and helping Milo will, of course, be um, comedian uh, Rajiv Karia, previously on the show, as well as friend of the show, Grace Blakely. And uh, on the opposition, uh, Hussein Kesvani, permanently in opposition, uh, will be leading a team comprised of uh, comedian Emily Woods and friend of the show, James Meadway. A and... Uh, so we, if you can, if there are tickets still available, we will have the link in the description below. Um, they may be, they may not be. However, we will also be broadcasting the event on Twitch. So it is going to be on our channel, twitch.tv slash trash future podcast. And it will be on Thursday starting at around 7.30 GMT. Now, that's our stated start time, maybe a couple minutes later, but there will be something on the stream for you to look at. It may just be sort of some people milling around the upstairs of the Hen and Chickens pub in Highbury. So, uh, please do get some tickets to that if there are any left, or if there are not, please do tune in on the stream so you can finally see this age-old question settled. Also, uh, tour dates, gang, 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 gang. Um, fourth of the... 
the tomorrow. This comes out on Monday, right? So it comes out on Tuesday. It comes out on Tuesday. So tonight. We've only been doing this podcast for like what, like several years. Yeah, well, my brain is ruined. Um, the today, the day of the outcoming of this podcast, uh, I will be hosting a smoke comedy with Mark Watson and Glenn Moore. That should be fun. Uh, also on the twenty fifth of March and the third of March, I'm doing previews of my new show at the Vault Festival in London. Uh, I'm also doing Leicester Comedy Festival on the twenty first of February and the twenty second of February. Twenty second February is my birthday, so come out to that. Twenty uh, first is Pindos and 20 seconds preview of a new show and also I'm doing shows and I'm really worried about these if you live in Stockholm or Oslo I'm aware this is a bit of a reach <laughs> no we have we have Scandinavian fans yeah, yeah, they yeah. sent us all that, that delicious at first candy I, I, yeah if you if you live in Stockholm or Oslo and you know anyone who does who might like to go to a comedy show on the 10th of February in Stockholm or the 11th of February in Oslo please do tell them because my promoters are not good <laughs> yes and uh, if you live in another country, uh, send us some snacks. Yes, I send, really us, yeah. send us snacks. Yeah, I really enjoyed mm. receiving the the snacks uh, yeah. from our Swedish friends. Send us some D- DM soup. us, DM the show account <laughs> for the address yeah. and like send us candy. Yes. Do not dox mm. us. Send us kits. No. It's candy to be sent to us. Uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, and uh, Milo, all... Milo, is the new show called Project Milo? Because if not, it should be. <laughs> <laughs> so um, in. Uh, I think that's that's about it, except for me to say that our theme song is Here We Go by Ginseng. You can find it on Spotify. It's very good. Nate looks like he wants to say something. Also, please mm. listen to What a Hell of a Way to Die if you're interested yes. in left-wing perspectives on military and veterans news. And, well, there's your problem. Yeah, well. listen to that. Mm. You were just yeah. on a second episode of it. I, I've mm. been on two episodes now. Mm. Uh, there's yeah. their problem. You're listening <laughs> to left-wing perspectives. <laughs> you sure are. With anyway. me, Jonathan Racism. Uh, anyway, I think that is about it for us. So we will see you on Thursday. Bye. Bye. Bye.